Yo, 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 what's good, everyone? Welcome back to Just Talking Sports. I'm your host, JT Noah. And guess what, boys and girls? It's a great day to have a great show. Listen, playoff baseball, championship series, NBA starting, NFL, and college football. What can you ask? Like I said last week, October, best sports month out there no questions asked and we're about to get into it you know what it is college football starts right now let's get right into it man last week what a great great matchup games on saturday i mean ranked matchups on ranked matchups it was like oprah give me a ranked matchup give me a ranked matchup you get one you get one it's all over and man it started out hot 11 a.m was a great time to start i'm telling you 11 a.m starts it off and we had the big noon kickoff on fox gus johnson joel clatt on the call penn state versus michigan in the big house and it did not disappoint in the first half and then guess what michigan took off <laughs> michigan won 41 17 beating the number 10 penn state nitty lions number five michigan obviously listen Michigan outscored Penn State 25 to 3 in the second half. They didn't give up a single point to the Nitton Lions after the 13-15 second mark in the third quarter. Yeah, you heard that right. After 13 minutes and 15 seconds into actually 2 minutes, you get the point. I'm saying after the 13 minute 15 second mark in the third quarter, Michigan didn't give up a single point. That is insane, folks. Michigan's defense is for real. And if you had any questions, it was answered yesterday or Saturday, guys. Listen, that game against Ohio State has got potential. And everyone's like, oh, well, Ohio State can run away this year against Michigan. I don't think so. I think Michigan is flying under the radar just a little bit. I still like Ohio State in the game. I'm just saying. Michigan might be there. And Harbaugh is getting his team back. You might see Michigan try to make it back-to-back seasons in the college football playoffs. I'm just saying. If they can beat Ohio State, they're getting into the playoffs. That's how it is, okay? Another game, number 18, Syracuse versus number 18, NC State. Now, not many people watch this game, but number 18, Syracuse, did beat NC State 24-9. They outgained, Syracuse outgained NC State 113 yards to 55. They dominated this game, did Syracuse. The Orange, yeah, that's their mascot. It's an orange, folks. You... The Wolfpack of NC State got beat by an orange. Just saying. Anything's possible in this world. Also, they held State, NC State, to three whole field goals. Three whole field goals. They didn't even allow a touchdown. They said, no, no, no. You're not getting into the end zone. You can kick your field goals and that's it. What a game. What a performance by Syracuse. And it sets up a huge matchup this weekend against Clemson for Syracuse. Going to be a great game. Also, what a game in the Big 12. TCU, bro, is insane. They are playing. Where did they come from? The Horn Frogs? They came out of nowhere. Crazy. Number 13, TCU rallies to beat. Number eight, Oklahoma State, 43-40 to in double overtime. They were trailing by 21 points at one point was TCU, and they rallied back to win. What a gutsy performance by the Horned Frogs. Listen, TCU ran the 
ball for 224 yards and three touchdowns, and they had a total of 105-10 yards on offense. That offense was moving for TCU. And listen, once Oklahoma State got up by that 21 threshold, TCU held them to two field goals before overtime. That's right. Two field goals before overtime. It's insane. Oklahoma State's offense disappeared. They went nowhere. Monumental. And when I mean two field goals, I mean it was insane. Like, you're up by 21 and they just take off their foot. Like, what are you doing, Cowboys? I had so much hope for them. I mean, come on. There was something there and they couldn't take a hold of it. So, it's crazy to me how Oklahoma State can go up by 21 and then just vanish. Like, poof, we're gone. <laughs> Magic. <laughs> we don't want it anymore. Like, what? Oh, man. I was so thinking Oklahoma State had a real chance. And it just shows. College football, one, it it's crazy. But two, never trust a Big 12 team. <laughs> they always hurt your heart. So I'm sorry to any fan out there that is a Big 12 team fan. Um, it's just it's, it's heartbreaking as a football fan. I know. It, it's crazy. Okay, moving on to obviously one of the greatest uh, games this weekend. Um, Knoxville, Tennessee. I don't know how they're feeling today. I know Sunday they weren't feeling too good because whew, they were partying. Rocky Top was on top <laughs> listen number six tick oh my gosh number six tennessee knocks off number three alabama on a game winning field goal that was 40 yards out they beat him 52 to 49 in that kick oh man he kicked that ball and i thought it was blocked it wasn't blocked he just did not hit the ball well with his foot and he luckily made it that was really close of not going in, folks. It was that close. It was, I didn't think it went in. I was like, oh my gosh, he missed. And then everyone started storming. I'm like, oh, he made it. Okay, they're good. <laughs> but no, Tennessee's first top 10 win since 2006, and that was against Georgia. And in 2006, they beat Alabama. And that was the last time Tennessee beat Alabama. They went crazy, like Nuts. I mean, that whole field was orange. It was it was crazy. But, I mean, they deserve it. Props off to Tennessee for winning. They were up by 18 at one point in the first half was Tennessee. So, they, they had control of the game, and they lost it for a second. I'm like, oh, no. They lost it. Alabama's coming back and winning, and they did not budge. Even when they went down, they, they grind it back. Even when they were up and they saw Alabama climbing, they didn't fold too far. Like, they folded a little bit, but they didn't fold far enough where they were going to lose. So, props off to Tennessee. Hendon Hooker, man. Hendon Hooker threw for 385 yards and five touchdowns. Yeah, you heard that right. Five. Five of those. Yeah. Wow. That's a that's insane. And he's put himself now in a place where he's going to be in Heisman talks because you always talk about a moment where you get a win. Well, he's done that against Alabama, and he's going to have another chance. He's got to go to Athens, Georgia, and beat Georgia. So 
He's going to have two huge games on his resume, and he's already won one of them. It was at home. If he goes to Athens, Georgia, and beats the Bulldogs, oh boy, Hendon Hooker will be real deal Heisman hopeful. He also, those five touchdowns went to one player, Jalen Hott, who also had 207 yards plus those five touchdowns. Man, uh, if I'm Alabama, I don't know how you don't guard Jalen after a while. Like, oh, five touchdowns? Eh, we didn't give him six. I'm just saying, we didn't give him six. That's a win, right? No, you gave up five to one player. If it was the quarterback and he distributed it to five different players, that's different. But you let him throw it to the same person five times? Alabama, what are you doing? Like, come on. Bryce Young, though, hey, coming back from the injury, he threw for 455 yards. So he threw the ball through the air with Will. He also had two touchdowns, and Jameer Gibbs had three rushing touchdowns by himself. So Gibbs did his part on the running game, and Bryce Young, he did what he could do, but the defense couldn't stop Hooker. Like, who? They weren't stopping him. It was insane. But you want to know how close this game really was? Listen to this. The total yards just says it all. Alabama had 569 total yards. Tennessee had 567. The difference was two whole yards, folks. Two yards. That's the difference in their total yards combined. Insane. That's how close this game was. It was literally like a coin flip. Like, awesome. And I will say, um, Tennessee needed Hendon Hooker to throw five touchdowns to win this game. So they're going to have to find something. The the hope is there. Can they keep it and ride with it? Or are they going to have a letdown game this week against Tennessee? We'll find out. But I'm just saying, like, they needed a performance of a lifetime from Hooker. And they got it to beat Alabama. And you're going to have to have that to win against Alabama. Now we're going to see what he can do, like I said, against Georgia because they have to go to Georgia later on in the season to win that game. A late night game that finished in chaos was Utah and USC. Listen, those two teams, Pac-12, man, Pac-12 after dark gets wild. College football after dark gets wild in general. Number 20, Utah, beats number 5, USC, Or excuse me, number seven. Why did I say five, weirdo? Number seven, USC, 43-42. Because Utah went for the two-point conversion. Hey, you got to win games and you got to be risky. And they were risky in Utah. Listen, Cameron Rising, 415 yards through the air with two touchdowns. Then he added 60 yards on the ground and three more touchdowns. He had a total of five, two through the air, three through the ground. And he used his legs to get the two-point conversion. So props off to you, Rising, after having a letdown game against UCLA last week. Also, Caleb Williams for USC, 381 yards with five touchdowns. And with his five touchdowns, he threw them to four different players. So see the difference between Hooker, same person, five touchdowns. Williams, five touchdowns. Four different players. He was giving them out and being nice. Hooker wasn't. (laughs) Okay. Also, 
The total yards, again, insanely close. Utah, 562 total yards. USC, 556. Six total yards in difference right there. I mean, what? Insane. It's crazy. Those are so close. It's, it's, it's incredible how close these teams were. And it shows what little room for mistake you have in college football because one slight miss and it's going to go downhill. You lose because of six total yards. I'm not saying they lost because they didn't get six total yards. I'm just saying how close and even these teams are. That's why Utah went for the two-point conversion before they went into overtime. They weren't going to go to overtime. They thought if they were going to win, they were going to go for the two. And if they lose because they didn't get the two, that's okay. They were going for the win, and I like their motto and their mentality. So props off to you, Utah. Also, my quick question. Here's here's a probable like scenario for you guys. I got two of them. So let's let's hear them out, okay? Do you think that three teams from the SEC could make the playoffs? Listen, you get Georgia, Tennessee, and Alabama. So you see Georgia wins. Okay, Georgia beats Tennessee. They stay undefeated. Tennessee gets one loss. But that means Georgia goes to the SEC championship. Then you get Georgia versus Alabama. And so now you're thinking... What are you going to do with that? Because if Alabama wins, Georgia gets two losses. Does Tennessee get in? And you keep Georgia out. But I think the bigger scenario where the three teams are going to come in, you get Tennessee, Georgia, and Alabama. Okay, cool. So you leave Georgia on the fence, right? With these three teams, you've got to figure it out. Because what if Alabama wins the SEC championship against either or of these teams, Tennessee and Georgia? Because these two are playing each other, right? So whoever loses is not in the SEC championship. So Tennessee loses, Georgia moves on. Georgia still has zero losses. They go and play in Atlanta versus Bama, right? Bama wins, so now Georgia has a loss. So that means Tennessee, Georgia, and Alabama each have a loss. Do all three get in? Are you going to hold Tennessee out because they didn't get to the SEC championship, but they beat the SEC championship winner in Alabama? But then what are you going to do with Georgia because Georgia beat Tennessee? It's like, do you put all three in? And I think it's going to come down to like who else is losing with that coming on and another proposition i have for you say texas wins out okay texas has two losses right now they win out you have a one loss pac-12 championship a one loss say big 12 or big 10 excuse me championship winner what are you going to do do you put texas in texas wins the big 12 they have two losses one of them comes against alabama by one point where you lose your quarterback, Ewins, Irwins, excuse me, and then you go and lose the Tech, Texas Tech, without Quinn again, your quarterback. So do you keep Texas out with two losses? I think that one is more likely to stay out as Texas losing and not getting in because of the two losses. But what are they going to do with the SEC? I'm telling you, you each get a loss. You get Tennessee, 
Alabama, and Georgia. All three have a loss. They all three lost in different scenarios because Tennessee goes to Georgia, loses to Georgia. Georgia then plays in the SEC championship and loses to Alabama. So all three of them are like a triangle, and they've lost. Do they put only two in, or do they put the third in? It'll be interesting to see how it goes. I think it would be way intense to see if it really happens. And it has the possibility of really happening. Okay, let's move on to games to watch in the college football. Obviously, I already talked about number four, or not number four, Syracuse versus number five, Clemson a little bit. I said it's a huge matchup. Well, Clemson and Syracuse play all the time, and Syracuse is never really this good, and they always give Clemson a run for their money. Clemson's is 13.5-point favorite. I think it's going to be closer than that. I think Clemson wins, but I'm going to say it's going to be eight-point victory for Clemson. At 230, you get number 9, UCLA, versus number 10, Oregon in Eugene. College game day will be there. Oregon is a 6-point favorite. Remember, UCLA is undefeated. Oregon has lost. They got dismantled by Georgia. We remember that. Oregon is a different team right now. Do I trust Bo Nix? I think I do. But the problem is, is I just don't know what I'm getting out of UCLA. They beat Utah, congrats. But before that, their schedule was weak. I think Utah was looking ahead to USC. I think Oregon off a bye. I know UCLA is off a bye too. But I think Oregon off a bye is better than UCLA off a bye. Give me Oregon to win by 10. Another 230 game. Number 20, Texas, who is a a 6.5 point favorite over number 11, Oklahoma State. Who do I like? I love the Cowboys. I do. I love them, but I can't. I don't know what is happening. Quinn, when he plays for Texas, huge. Quinn is the man at the helm for Texas. I think I'm taking Texas. I said I love Oklahoma State. And maybe Oklahoma State was overlooking TCU, and I don't know why they would overlook TCU because TCU is the real deal. Or maybe they thought TCU was just a joke. I don't know. They let down, and that scared me. They blew a 21-point lead and lost in double overtime. Listen, I'm taking Texas. I think Texas wins by a game-winning field goal. Moving on to the 7 p.m. slate. Number 17, Kansas State versus number 8, TCU. TCU is a a 3.5-point favorite. Listen, I like TCU a lot. Horn Frogs, Wildcats, you know, they're Kansas State. Cool, cool. They, they play in Manhattan, Kansas, but they're not there. They're playing in TCU. I think TCU's on a roll. They look really good. Give me TCU to win by a touchdown. And then my upset of the week. Listen, it's going to be great. UNLV over the 25-point favorite Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I like UNLV. I don't know why, but I don't like the Fighting Irish. The Fighting Irish have looked skeptical. They've looked unradical. They've looked inconsistent. They haven't found anything yet, and I don't know what it is, but I do not like Notre Dame this season. I think Notre Dame has taken a step back, and I know they have a new head coach in Freeman. I think they take steps forward next year, but this weekend, I think they lose to UNLV, and they're a 25-point favorite. I'm taking UNLV, not just to cover, which I know they will cover. I mean, they're not going to lose by more than 25 Give me UNLV to upset Notre Dame. That's what I'm going with. That's my upset. Okay, folks, 
When we come back, we're talking MLB. We're talking divisional series. We're looking at the championship series. I know they've already started. But when we get back, we're swinging into it. Right here on UCM The Beat with Just Talking Sports. Driving has a rhythm all its own. Don't wreck it with a text. Before you get behind the wheel, silence your phone. Or better yet, designate a texter. For more text-free driving tips, visit stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. I'm a retired school psychologist, and helping people was my thing. After my stroke, when Meals on Wheels started, I was on the other end of the stick, so to speak. My name is Julius Gaines, creative writer, poet, photographer. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Only in the forest can you see this. And this. And this. But nothing beats the moment you see that. Cool! That's your child's eyes opening up to a world of possibilities. I didn't know it could do that! Because one trip to the forest can spark a world of difference. There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go, like hiking, canoeing, fishing, or camping. Or create your own adventure with family and friends, and you might just see this. Your moment's out there. Find it at discovertheforest.org. That's discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. And welcome back, folks, to Just Talking Sports. Listen, MLB postseason has not disappointed this season. And we're going to swing our way into it. Let's get right into it. Let's first start with the Padres Dodgers. Listen, I told you, I will have to say, I was skeptical when I left last Thursday about the Padres beating the Dodgers. And then they proceeded to do it. So the Padres did beat the Dodgers, I will have to say, in four games. Obviously, winning the series 3-1. to one. The Padres, the main piece to their winning against the Dodgers was that bullpen. Oh, that bullpen was sweet. Like, wow, it was sweet tea sweet in the South. The way I like my sweet tea, if my mom knows it. Listen, they literally shut that offense down once they got to the bullpen. It was like, hey, uh, we're going to go to our bullpen and we're going to throw scoreless inning after scoreless inning after scoreless inning. Their bullpen didn't give up a single run to the Dodgers. Didn't give up a single run. Just saying. That bullpen was nasty. So that's the reason the Padres beat the Dodgers. And I'm just saying, when you win the wild card, you get the momentum and you can ride it 
a ways to go, and they've rode it all the way to the championship series. You know who else has rode their wild card victory to the championship series? Oh, that's the Philadelphia Phillies because they did the same thing the Padres did. They beat the team, the Atlanta Braves, in four games, 3-1. to one. And it's different because the Phillies did it with firepower offense. Both their bats, big bats, yet Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins, JT Raimundo, they went berserk. Bryce Harper was hitting nukes. Dude was hitting bombs away. Man was crushing baseballs. And I think he forgot that baseballs do have families too. And it just hurt because there was a time. My man, Reese Hoskins, had a bat spike. It wasn't a bat flip. It was a bat spike. He swung. He connected with the ball, and he hit it a far's way. And guess what? He took his bat, and he just slammed it to the ground. It was one of the greatest home run celebrations because he didn't throw it. He didn't toss it, flip it. He spiked it. It was like a Gronk spike with a baseball bat. It was phenomenal. The Phillies move on. They're playing the Padres. Their series has already started. Well, both championship series have started. But we'll get into that after I get through the other two games. Or series, I should say. Let's move on to the AL. Where you had the Houston Astros sweep the Seattle Mariners. There was hope for Seattle. Seattle got up early in the first game and blew it. And Alvarez, your Don Alvarez, took Seattle's soul and just ran with it. Seattle Mariner fans are going to have cold sweats for the rest of the season because of what your Don Alvarez did to him. In game one, walk off three run home run. Game two, oh, let me do a two run game winning home run. Home run in the eighth inning. Well, it was go-ahead, but it was the game-winning home run. So, Jordan Alvarez literally won two games for the Houston Astros. But then, the bigger thing was is it felt like Seattle lost all their mojo, their will. It didn't seem like it was the same Seattle Mariners that we were accustomed to after game one because of that big blown loss. And I totally get it. I I don't know how you would go back out there and play after blowing such a big lead. And so it just didn't happen. And in, in game four, there was hope. And it was like, oh, excuse me. It was, uh, yeah, game four. And it was just right there. It was right there. Excuse me, game three. I, don't, I keep thinking it's a seven-game series. It was a five-game series. So in game three... You had the chance. You Your offense was nowhere. Your bullpen and pitching, phenomenal. I mean, 18 innings of zero runs. 18, well, 17 and a half. Because then Houston, in the 18th, hits a go-ahead home run to take the lead 1-0. And you just felt Seattle wasn't going to score two runs to win it. And they didn't. They lost 1-0 in 18 innings. 18 innings. That's two games, folks. So I'm hoping the umpires got like paid game and a half or something because, I mean, they play two full games. They call two full games. But the offenses weren't there in game three. But luckily, you know Houston. They were going to eventually find it, and they did. 
and they got the home run, they take the lead, and they win the series, and they sweep the Seattle Mariners, and now they host the championship series because they're the one seed and they're facing the two seed, the Yankees. So if you didn't know, the Yankees won because I just said it. But I'll give you a recap. It went the full games. It went the full five. The Yankees and Guardians, the Guardians stepped up. It was pretty much David versus Goliath. I mean, you think about it, the Yankees have probably one of the most powerful lineups that will hit home runs after home run after home run. And you have the Guardians who are going to hit the ball, put it in play, and make you do defensive work. And so that's what happened. Yankees take game one. Then the Guardians take game two and three to take a 2-1 lead. Garrett Cole goes out for game four, and they win game four, the Yankees do. Then it was supposed to be game five, and it was rained out. It was rained out. It was sad. It was rained out. And so game five then happens on Tuesday. Or, yeah, no, it happened. And so it happened on Tuesday. And so... Then you have to play game one of the championship series yesterday. So the Yankees got no rest. They win the series, but now they're at a disadvantage against our already good Houston Astros team in the championship series because they had to head to Houston and play without even a day off. So it's crazy that you're thinking, okay, wow, we won the series, but then we're also playing Houston without a game off. So... Now you got to get your full head, and they didn't win game one. So the Yankees lost game one yesterday. Justin Verlander went out and played phenomenal through a gym. What does Verlander do? Throw gyms, right? I mean, incredible. While on the NL side, the Padres lose game one. Phillies look good. I mean, Schwarber hit a 488-foot home run. I'm pretty sure Mars saw the ball. Then you also have Bryce Harper go oppo taco for a home run. He took the ball where it was put. Beautiful job by Bryce. Like Bryce a lot. I think he's a great play player, ball player. Beautiful. Game two was yesterday. Blake Snell versus Aaron Nola. Listen, Aaron Nola is the brother of Austin Nola. Austin Nola plays for the Padres. I had to bring it up. Brother versus brother in the matchup. Awesome story, right? You want stories in sports. This was a beautiful story. The Nola brothers going at each other for a trip to the World Series. On the first at-bat for Austin, Austin doesn't get a hit, grounds out. Second at-bat, uh-oh. He gets the best of his younger brother, Aaron. It was a 4-2 ball game at the time in the fifth inning. Padres do a hit and run, beautiful Hit and run. Executed to perfection by Austin Nola. Hits it where the second baseman moves to cover the bag. Hits it right through the gap. And Kim, the shortstop, goes all the way around. Scores. Makes it 4-3. Padres go on to score five runs in the fifth. Take the lead. Never look back. And win the game. 1-1 series in the NL. 1-0 in the AL. Houston on top. Tied with the Phillies, and then Phillies and Padres are tied 1-1, headed back to Philadelphia. Listen, it's going to be interesting to see how these teams adjust to 
the weather because you're going from San Diego, nice and hot, to Philadelphia, which is going to be a little, little bit cooler. Right? It was 91 yesterday in San Diego. It's supposed to be 60. Is the high? Is the high in Philadelphia tomorrow night? It's going to be cold. We'll see how teams adjust. It'll be interesting, and I bet. That place will be rocking for Philadelphia and the Phillies, man. They're going to be rocking with that championship series there for the next couple games. It's going to be high-powered fans going nuts. Phillies fans love their baseball. They love their Eagles. They love all their sports. So those fans are going to be rocking. I like Padres to win the NL, and I like Houston to win the AL. We're going to get a Padres Houston series. It's going to be great. Padres versus Astros. I think it's going to be fun. Manny Machado versus that team of the Houston Astros with Jose Altuve, Bregman. I mean, it's going to be fun. There's going to be some high-powered bats if that does happen. I mean, if the Phillies win, you're still going to have high-powered bats. No matter the case, whoever wins Phillies versus Padres or Yankees versus Astros, it's going to be high-powered offenses going at each other. I like the Padres to beat the Phillies because of their bullpen. Their bullpen finally gave up a run to the Phillies yesterday. They gave up a home run. Reese Hoskins connected on the first pitch he saw, took it, and hit a home run. That was the first run the Padres have given given up since the Dodgers series. So, crazy things happen. I think Houston is going to win in five, and I think the Padres are going to win it in six. We'll see. And now, when we get back for the first time this season, we're going to head and we're going to shoot our way into the NBA. Right here on Just Talking Sports on UCM The Beat. Only in the forest can you see this. And. Juice, Mom. Juice, juice, juice. Mommy, why are we going to the store? Mom, Mom I want Mommy. juice. Mom, juice, juice, juice. Mom. Your child will have different needs at different stages of life, and that includes the car seat. See, car crashes are a leading killer of children ages 1 to 13. Protect your child's future at every stage of life. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Know someone who's being bullied online? Send the witness emoji. It looks like an eye in a speech bubble and it's in the symbol section near the clocks in your phone. You'll let the world know it isn't cool and you'll let your friend know you care. Learn more about the witness emoji at eyewitnessbullying.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back. And like I said, NBA season has started. It is 
underway, folks. It started Tuesday, and I know a lot of people aren't the biggest NBA fans. Most of us, most of them, most of you are college basketball fans, and I totally get that. Here in Missouri or even Kansas, we don't have a pro basketball team, and I would love one. I think it would be great. I think that's the one key sport we're missing, but we just haven't found it yet. But So you get to pick your team you like, and I've always rooted for the Thunder, OKC. They've had some tough times, but they're on the uphill. They've got picks on picks. They've got the glory. So it's interesting to see stuff like that. And while the season did start Tuesday and they've all played pretty much, all teams have, I still want to give my pick for the NBA Championship Finals, is what they call it, what I think will be the matchup. And it might be surprising because last year was Celtics versus Warriors. Warriors looked great. They won it all. Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Jordan Poole, Draymond Green, you name it. It's it's, it's insane. While the Celtics had... Uh, Jalen Brown, JT, Jason Tatum, a.k.a. JT, obviously. I'm JT, too, so it's great. You also had Al Horford, and so those teams have made their way up. Now, the Celtics have had some off-the-court problems this offseason, while the Warriors have had that same thing. Now, it's been different for both of them, but I don't think that's going to make them worse or it's going to make them better. Here's the thing. I think the team from the Western side is a team that has to make it this year. They went out and got pieces a couple of years ago, and they have not done anything with them. The team from the Western that I see making it to the finals is the Clippers, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. They've got to do something. They brought those two together, and they haven't made it to the finals. they got to make it to the finals. If I'm the Clippers, if I'm the fans of the Clippers, you got to make it to the finals. And on the Eastern side... It's the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis Antetokounmpo, a Greek freak is what they call him because his name is Greek. And it's awesome. I think Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Bucks, they're going to bounce back. They lost to the Celtics, but I think they're going to bounce back and they're going to do it in a big way. I like the Clippers because they have to. There's going to be that chip on their shoulder. Everyone's talking about the Lakers with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly. They're always talking about the Lakers. The Lakers aren't good. Like, you saw it. They got blown out by the Warriors. Was anyone surprised? No. But that's what we're come to. The Lakers aren't good. Anthony Davis is always hurt. He'll be out at least... 30 to 35 or even more games. That's how many you would put it on. 30 to 35 at least. Moving on with the Bucks, the Celtics are going to be good. Obviously, they have that dynamic duo, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. You have the 76ers with Harden and Embiid. You have the Brooklyn Nets, Kevin Durant, Kyrie. I just like the Bucks. Giannis is a do-it-all player. And last year, he was showing he could shoot the three. I like the Bucks, and I like the Clippers. I think the Bucks will win that series in six, and the Bucks will win another final. That'll be huge for Milwaukee. Milwaukee goes crazy. They love their sports. They're like Kansas City. They don't got much. People don't know much about their city, as in Milwaukee slash Green Bay area of Wisconsin. And then you have Kansas City. Not many people know about them. It's like the Midwest. We don't want to go to it. Too cold, too hot, all this, yada, yada, yada. When you go and you see the fans and how much they appreciate 
and care about their sports teams, you understand why it's so big for them. Moving on, I've got some teams, I think, that can surprise some play, some people. Let's start it off with the Detroit Pistons. Their backcourt is insane. You got Cade Cunningham, who you got last year, and then this year you got Ivy. Jaden Ivy is huge. I love Ivy. He played at Purdue. What a great ball player. Basketball player, you got the moves, can shoot. We're going to see about his defense, but Cade Cunningham showed what he could do for the Pistons last year. They said, let's add another piece. Let's go get Ivy. They got Ivy. I think it was a great move by Detroit. I like their backcourt. I'm skeptical, like I said, about the defense, but I think they can make adjustments. I like Detroit to land in about the fifth-seeded spot this season. Another team that's going to surprise everyone. One of the worst organization-wise teams is the Sacramento Kings, but I love their team. I think their team is going to be great. I wouldn't say great, great, but I think it's going to be great enough where it's going to surprise a lot of folks, and they can make me upset a team or two come playoff time. Listen, you have De'Aaron Fox, you have Barnes, and don't forget about Sabonis. Sabonis comes over from Indiana. They traded it for him last season, and he's a great ball player. Love his attributes. He can do whatever he wants. He can shoot it, dribble it, play defense, and De'Aaron Fox is fast. He's really fast, and he can make some moves. I like it, and Barnes can shoot the three. Sacramento, if MA got the right coach for the job, Their defense is skeptical, like most teams with young players, but I really like the Kings here. I wish the Kings could move back and see what they could do with the defense, but they're going to play more like a zone, I feel like, come this season, and that's going to help them a lot because they want to make fast break points happen, and they can do that with their team. The team and the final team, it's not like they're going to surprise people, but it's my team that's going to bounce back. Listen, The Denver Nuggets are going to bounce back. They need to bounce back, and they will. Listen, they're going to get a healthy Jamal Murray back. MPJ, Michael Porter Jr., Mizzou alumni. Can he stay healthy? He's got paid. Now, can he stay healthy? We'll see. He is a great basketball player. Can he stay healthy is the problem. He hasn't stayed healthy for a full season yet. Will he do it? We'll find out. He has to show up. They're paying him big bucks. Can he do it? I don't know. You know Jokic is going to show up. What else will happen? They've got to have enough surrounding pieces. Jokic carried that team last year. He doesn't need to, and he can't do it again this year. I think the Denver Nuggets are falling into about the three seed because I have Clippers 1, no, Warriors won two Clippers, three Nuggets. Sacramento's going to fall in the sixth seed. They're not going to have to play in the play-in tournament, but they're going to get in as the sixth seed. I like the Kings to make it as the sixth. It's going to be a great, easy moment moving in for these teams. And like I said, it's not going to be a surprise about the Denver Nuggets. It's more of a bounce-back season for them because they had a down year because of injuries. I like them a lot this season, though. All right, let's move on to some trivia. We're going to bounce into the NFL. I'm going to give you a trivia question. One of my all-time favorites, because most people don't know it. Let's do it. What team is the only team to have ever gone undefeated or have a perfect season 
in the NFL, meaning they went undefeated in the regular season, won all their playoff games, and won the Super Bowl. What year and what team was it? I'll let you know at the end of this NFL segment. Okay, let's get into it. Usually I take a break, but uh, that was a short NBA brief segment. So let's get into the NFL. Let's start with Thursday Night Football. Oh, boy. Oh, no, man. What did they do? Amazon Prime, I'm so sorry you're getting these games. Hey, you get a better game tonight. I'm just saying a better game tonight. Okay. Thursday Night Football, Washington Commanders headed to the Chicago Bears. Commanders come out on top 12-7. to So, hey, we got a touchdown in this Thursday night game. So, it was good to see that. But it was another absolutely hot trash of a Thursday night football game. Just going to say it like it was. It was not good, folks. Not very good. It was 3 nothing in halftime. You didn't even get a touchdown until the second half. I thought uh, Michaels was going to retire at halftime. I mean, it's bad. Chicago gave this game away. I, I want you to understand that, folks. Chicago gave this game away. Had 392 total yards to Washington's 214. What a size gap. You also went 0-3 in the red zone, Chicago, and you had two turnovers. One of those red zone trips was at the very end when Mooney actually had a touchdown, but he didn't have control of the football in the end zone and fell out of the end zone and landed at the one-yard line. So that's no touchdown. Washington comes out with a 12-7 win. I mean, Carson Wentz went with 99 yards passing on 12 of 22 throwing. So nothing spectacular from my man Wentz. But Wentz does move on to be 7-0 in Thursday night football games. So I'm just going to say, whenever Washington from here on out is on Thursday night and Carson Wentz is playing, I might hedge my bets to Washington because Carson Wentz, all he knows how to do is win on Thursday nights. Moving on to the noon game that I thought was more interesting than ever. The New York Giants, folks. The G-Men, they win again. They beat the Baltimore Ravens this time in what was a horrible fourth quarter for the Baltimore Ravens once again. The G-Man, a.k.a. the Giants, they win 24-20 in a game where the Baltimore Ravens should have won. I'm going to say it, back-to-back games I'm talking about where a team gives it away. The Giants scored two touchdowns in four minutes and 20 seconds of game time in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, insane. Lamar had two horrible turnovers in the fourth quarter. It, it was not good. He had an interception, which on that play, he bobbles the snap, goes back to pick it up, and then just throws it up for Mark Andrews, who is double covered. And guess what? It's intercepted. Then on the next drive, after the Giants have taken the lead, because the Giants scored before the interception to make it 20-17. to Then on the interception, the Giants make it and get into the end zone to go up 24-20. to the, the Ravens have one more chance, right? And so on second down, Lamar gets strip-sacked, and it's recovered by the Giants, and the Giants walk away with the victory. One and three in the red zone were the Ravens. And then Justin Tucker missed a 56-yard field goal. Wow. It hit off the goalpost. It was a doinker, folks. It doinked. So, you don't see that often. One, Justin Tucker missing a field goal. But two, one and three in the red zone by the Ravens. Also, I'm just... 
It's crazy to me because the Ravens had 406 total yards of offense. The Giants had 238. The Giants are finding ways to win close games, and that's great news. They have a great coach, and Jones ain't turning the ball over, folks. Now, the wide receivers are anything but good. Saquon is looking really good, but that defense is playing out of their minds and looking fabulous. Will the Giants keep it up? I don't know. The Ravens, once again, blow another double-digit lead. So, they've had a double-digit lead in every game, and they're sitting at 3-3. How is it possible, man? It's crazy to me. Now, let's move on to the game of the week. And, you know, I love when games live up to the hype. And they did. It started out slow. This this was a defensive match in the first half. And it, it was not that high scoring of a game you would think of. But it still lived up to the hype. It was a great game. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes were out there playing lights out. Allen had three touchdown passes. Mahomes had two of two as well. So that's five touchdowns by the two of them. Allen got the game-winning touchdown, obviously. Two knocks, which is awesome for the Bills fans. Bills fans win. Bills fans goes crazy. Yada, yada, yada. It's awesome for them. Mahomes, though, let's get to it. Mahomes had two interceptions. One of them horrible in the red zone. Just throws it up to MVS. And I don't know where his trust came into the factor, oh, MVS can go up and get it. I thought he was throwing it away, but he threw it, and it was intercepted. But his second interception, first off, is not on Andrew Wiley. Let's get that out of the way. Andrew Wiley, not on him, had Von Miller, and they double-teamed him. Mahomes gets out of the pocket. Milano's on a quarterback spy, folks. If it's a quarterback spy, it means he's following the quarterback. If he moves, you move with him. If he starts to run, you attack. Now, with Milano, they're... Scheme was once Mahomes gets out of the pocket, just go after him. Because Mahomes ain't going to make many moves to get out of the way. So Mahomes breaks the pocket. Milano comes. Mahomes tries to make a sidearm pass. And the defensive back makes a beautiful play. Watches Mahomes' eyes. Undercuts the pass that was going to Sky Moore. Gets the interception. The game-sealing interception. And Buffalo walks away with the win. Tip of my cap to the defense. What a game. What a scheme the Bills had throughout the game. They were giving them different formations and everything. So great game. Tip my cap to the Buffalo Bills. Ain't going to take nothing away. I'm not truly upset or am I excited, obviously, about a loss from the Chiefs. Now listen. Here's the thing. I don't see Mahomes throwing two more interceptions in a game when it comes to Buffalo in the playoffs. Now, obviously, this game feels like it might be going to Buffalo for the AFC Championship game or wherever. It could be a conference. You never know. Divisional. Who knows? All I'm saying is it seems like the next time these two face, it should be in Buffalo. But that's what people were saying last year, too. Am I right? I mean, you got to think about it. Last year, the Bills beat the Chiefs, and they blew out the Chiefs in Arrowhead. And then... The Bills proceeded to go 7-5 and five in their last 12 games. And they got the 3 seed. They got the 3 seed. Tennessee got the 1. Chiefs got the 2. Bills got the 3. 
And so the Chiefs and Bills had to play even before the AFC Championship. Now, I'm not saying the Bills are going to go 7-5 in their next 12. But all I'm saying is, let's chill. Let's pump the brakes and say, oh, wow, Bills have won the one seed in the AFC. No more to play the rest of the season. I'm not. I'm just saying you got to chill a little bit because it's shown the Bills have had letdowns after big games, and it's luckily for them the NFL did them a favor by giving them a bye this week. So you can't have a letdown game after a big victory. Like I was scared. I'll be honest. If I was a Chiefs fan, I would have been scared if the Chiefs beat the Bills. Excuse me. If they would have beat the Bills, I would have been scared about the 49ers coming up. But since the Chiefs lost, they're not going to overlook or have a letdown game against the 49ers. Because the 49ers defense is every bit good or even better when fully healthy than the Buffalo Bills defense. Now, obviously, the 49ers defense is banged up. Now, the thing with the Chiefs. Everyone's figuring out they can go man-to-man now on defense. They don't have Tyree Kill. They don't have that speed factor. And Juju and MVS really can't break away from man-to-man. That's why Sky Moore is the key. They got to get him incorporated. They got to get him going faster. They got to get his route tree down. They got to get him feeling more comfortable with Patrick Mahomes because he's going to be the key. Him and Hardman are the key because they're the fastest two on the team to break man coverage. And once they do that, they can go over top with Hardman or Sky Moore. They've got to find a way to break the man coverage because right now defenses are playing man coverage. Moving on to the Sunday night game, Eagles beat Cowboys 26-17. to The Eagles controlled the first half of this game, folks. It was a great first half for the Eagles all around. They were up 20-3 to at half, but they took their foot off the gas, obviously, only scoring six in the second half, giving up 14 and making it a one-possession game against a backup quarterback. Now, Cooper Rush did come back down to earth. Dak Prescott will be starting this week against the Lions for the Cowboys. But Cooper Rush did throw three interceptions, had a touchdown, was 18 of 38. Now, I will give credit to the Eagles' defense. Darius Slay has been playing the lights out. That defensive line is controlling. I like the Eagles a lot, and it helps. Their schedule is a little bit on the weekend. Now, when it comes to playoffs, we'll see. But their their defense is playing phenomenal. Moving on to the Monday night game, Chargers beat Broncos in overtime 19-16, to a game where the Broncos handed the to the Chargers. No touchdown after the nine-minute mark in the second quarter, folks. After the nine-minute mark in the second quarter, no touchdowns. They said, oh, give me a few goals. Yeah, so no fun. Another primetime game with the Broncos that were bad. Herbert was 37 of 57. 57 passes for Herbert, 238 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. Wilson was 15 of 28 with 188 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions. But the big problem, 3 of 11 in the second half and overtime. 3 of 11 for 15 yards, folks. That's not going to get it done. What is up with Wilson? People say hamstring. People say shoulder. It's his mind. He's not reading the defense, folks. He had a tied in, wide open on third down. Doesn't throw it. Takes the sack. He is not reading defenses. I don't care what people say. It's not an injury. He's not reading the defenses properly. If he reads them right, he doesn't have to be great. He just needs to make the throw. He's not reading the defense. He's got to do it better because that's the problem. Everyone's blaming Hackett. And sure, Hackett needs some dismantle and not good praise. But you've got to understand, Wilson is not doing his job either. 
He's not reading the defense and finding the open wide receiver tight end. He looked great in the first half, and then the second half, he turned back to what he has been all season. He has to find a way to be better. Now let's move on to the power rankings. All right, folks. Number 10 is going to be the San Francisco 49ers. They were number 4. They fall, They lost to the Atlanta Falcons. But listen, they've had a, they had 11 starters out last week. They... They allow the fewest yards per play on defense still, and they've only gone six three and outs this whole season on offense. So they're going to be fine. They're going to get healthy, and they're going to get down the stretch. I have the 49ers at 10. New team in New England Patriots. Whoa, at number nine, three and three. They might have found their new quarterback, Zappy, and their defense is top 10 scoring. So they're looking good. They might have found the quarterback, and Mac Jones might be the backup when he comes back healthy. Number eight, Cincinnati Bengals. They were number 10 last week. They're 3-3. Three and three. They beat the Saints. They haven't allowed a touchdown, folks, in the second half. They haven't allowed a single touchdown in the second half. How is that possible? What a great performance by their defense coming into the second half. Now, all their losses, all three of them, have been on game-winning field goals. So they they could be undefeated, but they've lost all three of their games by game-winning field goals. Their defense is giving up points in the second half. Don't get that wrong. They're not giving up touchdowns. That's incredible. Number six, I'm giving it to the Dallas Cowboys. They moved up. They were number eight, but they played so well with Cooper Rush against the Eagles. I had to move them up. They lead the NFL in sacks and sack differential, and their defense is top five in scoring. I like it a lot. Also, I skipped one. That was the seven. LA Chargers. I forgot about them because guess what? They didn't play well, but I got to keep them in because they won and I don't feel anything. Listen, after the first four, it's just like, who do you go with? So seven was the LA Chargers. I skipped over them. They got to win. It was ugly. Win ugly games. You get lucky, right? Number five, I have the G-Men. New York Giants, folks. The New York Giants weren't ranked. They're five and one. They are playing defensively well. Listen, their offense ain't nothing spectacular, but it's their defense. Now, listen, they have no wide receiver over 200 yards, so that's a problem. And Daniel Jones has four game-winning drives for them this year. So Daniel Jones is not losing games for this team, but they got to have a wide receiver step up. Number four is the Minnesota Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings are the New York Giants, but they have better, faster wide receivers on the outside. That's why they're up. They're 5-1 and one as well. They move up one spot from 5. Number 3, Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs have won. They, they lost to the Bills, I will say. And Bills, rightfully so, tip of my cap. They have completed 50% of their third downs on offense. They've looked really good on offense on third down. Now, They've had 14 sacks through six games, but they got to find pressure outside of blitzing. They haven't really got to the quarterback without blitzing. Got to find a way to get there with a four-man front. Number two, I dropped the Eagles from one. Philadelphia is at two. They're 6-0. They lead the NFL in turnover differential, so they're taking the ball away, and they're not giving it back on turnovers on their offense. But like I said, their schedule's been a little bit weaker, so... I'm skeptical about them, but I like how they're winning. It's not their problem. Their schedule's weak. They don't make the schedule. And at number one, Buffalo Bills. They beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Not only that, they went to Arrowhead and win. I'll give them the praise. They upgraded their defense. Von Miller is a huge piece for them, and it's turning out well. They have the best point differential and the yes, y- best 
yard differential. So they're beating teams with yards. They are out yarding their def- uh, their teams, and they have the best point differential. They're going to outscore you. They look like the best team in the NFL right now, and it proved on Sunday when they went to Arrowhead. Now, I'm not saying they're a Super Bowl winning team because the AFC is more of a gauntlet than the NFC. We'll see what happens, but right now Buffalo is there. To me, Super Bowl favorites, Buffalo, Philadelphia, and Kansas City. Then there's the rest of teams, and then at the very bottom is Houston and Chicago. That's how it is right now, how I feel. That's why my scatter is all over the place. Now let's move on to games to watch. Here we go. At 12 p.m., the Falcons, 3-3, face the Bengals that are 3-3. Six-point favorite Bengals. I like the Bengals. I love Marcus Mariota. I love what the Falcons are doing. But give me the Bengals to win at home. They're going to win by eight points. Moving on to another noon game. The Colts, 3-2-1. and one. Yeah, that's right. Three wins, two losses, one tie. Versus the Tennessee Titans, who were 3-2. and two. Tennessee is two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. I like the Colts. I think Carson Wentz is finding his groove. That offense is moving. Jonathan Taylor, if especially plays, I love the Colts. But give me the Colts to win by four points. Then 3 p.m., a game that's going to be really good. Another good defense of team headed to play. Well, they're not headed. An offensive team is headed to play a great defensive team. Kansas City Chiefs head to San Francisco. Like I said, the 49ers defense is every bit good or even better than the Bills defense, especially when healthy. The Chiefs are a three-point favorite on the road. I think the Chiefs are going to win. They're not going to lose back-to-back games. Patrick Mahomes is going to be ready. He knows how important every game is. He's going to come out firing. It's going to be the tight end matchup. Kittle versus Kelsey. Who's going to stop who? You have Debo Samuel. Who's going to cover Debo? If I'm Spags, put Sneed on Debo. I know Spags hates to follow people, but you have to have speed on speed. Sneed is the fastest defensive corner secondary player for the Chiefs. you got to put him on Debo. Now, the upset of the week. I am slamming it down. Put money on it. I, I feel so confident in it. 3 p.m. game. The Seattle Seahawks, who are 3-3, three and three, head to L.A. to face the Chargers, who are 4-2. and two. The Chargers are 6.5-point favorite. Give me the Seahawks to win by 6. I think Geno Smith is playing well. I love what they're doing in Seattle. They look good. Pete Carroll is a defense of mine. That defense is playing well. Give me Seattle to beat the Chargers. So I have the Bengals over Falcons, Colts over Tynes, Chiefs over 49ers, and Seahawks over Chargers. It's going to be a great week of football, college, NFL. You got postseason baseball and NBA. Don't even forget, if you're an NHL fan, you got hockey. It's a great time in basketball. College basketball is going to be starting up at the end of the month. It's a great time to be a sports fan, folks. It's awesome. You love it. I cannot wait to talk about more sports next Thursday right here from 12 to 1 on UCM to be. I'm your host, Just just Talk It. No, I'm your host, JT Noah, for hosting Just Talking Sports. Once again, right here, 12 to 1 every Thursday. Going to be great. Hoping maybe to bring on some special guests in the near future. We'll see. Trying to get that in the works. But for t- until then, I'm only your host, JT Noah, and I'll see you next week right here on UCM The Beat. Peace out, guys.